0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're breaking down dynasty trades and talking week 10 passing game matchups on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Curtis Patrick. It's Dave Caven. It's Thursday night when we're recording. We're watching the Panthers and their Madden creator team horribly put together uniforms, which we were not consulted on and are very salty about, by the way. And uh, hey, we're going to talk some uh, dynasty trades at the top of the show tonight. And as always, break down week 10s passing game matchups from our passing game uh, matchup Raider tool. Uh, Dave, how you doing, man? Before I tell you about this great trade I made today. (laughs) I'm doing
3: good, thanks. Yeah, we were uh, a little bit disappointed. I liked the idea of the matte black helmet, but we both felt like the Panthers logo was washed out and there was just too much black for it to pop. uh, That, you know, they would have been better off maybe incorporating some white or going with a different... uh, something different either for the jersey or the pants. So we are very upset that we did not get to have a say in this.
1: It looks exactly like a fake team that I would have created yep. in college in like 2004 or something like ex- exactly before I did the, the you know the, the fantasy draft where you could put the all-time players on your team and all that. It, I mean literally looks exactly like that. So um, maybe 20 years ago I would have liked it but uh, not, not the case now. Dave in one of our uh, Rotoviz Triflex dynasty leagues over on at FFPC myffpc.com, I made a big trade today man I'm in I'm in second place in this league it isn't it is one where we're going head to head you know we've got some dynasty teams that we share this is one this is one where we're uh, we're going head to head I actually won the league last year in its first year and now uh, we are in year two I'm in second place have a chance to, compete for another title. And my inbox, I get a little, you know, ding earlier today, somebody wants to buy Brees Hall. Somebody that's tanking comes after Brees Hall, my second round pick next year, my fourth round pick next year. And he offers Austin Eckler and Dalvin cook. Uh, so, so man, you know, I've added some serious firepower, uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a win this year type of move, picking up a couple 27-year-old running backs. But, you know, I'm I'm within a hundred points of of first place here, and I'm pretty clear of third place. So I feel really good about locking up those second place dollars. But man, if you can get if you can go back to back titles to start a dynasty league, I mean, you gotta go for it. So, you know, if Brees Hall comes back and looks like post injury Travis Etienne. I will be lamenting this at some time in the future, but if he comes back and looks like post-injury J.K. Dobbins, I'm going to be laughing all the way into the uh, annals of this dynasty league's history. So um, I assume you're cool with this trade I made other than how it might affect your chances to win the league.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that this actually is to me is a trade that made sense on both sides. And I would say, even if it does turn out that Brees Hall really does come back, Uh, very strong, like you said, like an ETN type of performance. If this does propel you to winning this year, I think it's probably worth it then Uh, because even if you do have Hall in the long term, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to be positioned again like you are right now. So you kind of got to operate. Sometimes you got to pick a path like we've talked about before you picked one. I think it's probably going to work out. And then for the other team, I think that this makes sense. Uh, You know, cash out on those players by finding a team that has an immediate need for them and start building for your future Uh, with a player like Brees Hall, who, yes, though he's injured and now kind of money is the waters on him. I do think that he's one of those few players that could turn into a very substantial difference maker, and maybe you're getting a little bit of a discount on him now, so I I don't mind it. So I thought this was actually a decent trade for both sides. For you, though, I really like it.
1: Yeah. Um, some other competitors in this league, not so happy about this trade, yep. which we get to hear all about in email. Uh, it is what it is, man. I mean, you find offers in your box that appeal to you, you know, you accept them. Um, now I will say on the other side, you know, thinking about this from the other manager's perspective, it, this, this is the type of trade. Like, you know, if you're in the bottom three in your league, especially in best ball, where, you know, you, you have less control over the points. Like one, a cool element of best ball dynasty is it is a little bit harder to tank. Like, yeah. you know, you know, you're getting credit for your best possible lineup every week, and you know, if if you're, you know, struggling when you have players like Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler, and you're still in the bottom, I mean, vacating the points from players like that, it is going to drive you towards that 101. Um, and so, you know, that that's got to be the strategy here for this team. He's probably putting himself into potentially you know, another rebuild year next year. But hey, if you're going to be playing in a super flex league in a year where you've got a couple really premier quarterbacks coming out, and if he doesn't end up getting into those top two slots, you know, there's going to be some pretty juicy running backs next spring that we'll talk all about in the rookie guide, I'm sure. Um, So yeah, it's, hey, any day that I make a dynasty trade is a great day. And so today was a great day. Um, that's enough about my fake teams. Well, Dave. I actually,
3: Let's- I actually, oh. I'm going to quickly share here. I got offered yeah. a pretty good one that came through my inbox the other day, oh. uh, in not in this league, but same configuration, um, uh, you know, best ball roto triflex dynasty league in that league. I have Jameis Winston who clearly, you know, is just True. sitting there not being used, I don't even remember. I think it was I got offered two third rounders for Jameis. Um Really, did not feel like I needed him, and don't see him factoring in for me long term. So I actually just accepted it, and uh, oh felt, sweet, felt man. pretty decent about it. So you two know, two thirds for Jameis? That two thirds, we said it was? For, yeah,
1: yeah, that's good, man. I yeah. mean, I mean, and you're not you're not done with those two thirds. I mean, if you spend them, you know, chances are you probably won't get a player that will ever. Ascend to the levels of production that Jameis Winston achieved in his career, but uh, thirds are awesome. Yeah. Um, they're just high enough that if you if you throw them into other deals, um, it could be enough to get you know it's it's you know it's a little bit of uh, I don't know it's a little bit of you know zest in the in the storefront window. I mean it's a it's a chance to get a, a deal accepted. Uh, for me, th- that is kind of like the sticker. That's the sticker price that I look for if, if somebody's trying to to show me they're giving me some value, like adding that fourth. Eh. Yep. And I don't even know why. It's not like super objective. After you get out of the top half of the first round, it's all basically a crapshoot anyway. Um, but I like the way those thirds look um, when, when I'm counting on my assets. So that's a cool trade, man. Um, yep. Low key, it could end up being pretty valuable for you depending on what moves you spin off of it.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's kind of really the idea behind it. Uh, you know, I have a couple needs elsewhere, and I think these will definitely help me as I try to maneuver to fill those needs. But, Curtis, I think that it's time that we start talking some passing game matchups. And I right, have gosh. for us...
1: Oh, oh yeah. You, you, you can, you can yeah. do the intro here. I know you've been excited to talk about this, this couple of players here.
3: I have for us a player at wide receiver who comes in this week with a very high rating. Uh, and that is Jerry Judy of the Denver Broncos, who will be facing Tennessee this week. Now, Denver, uh, a number of the players on their offense scoring well this week. Tennessee's secondary has been allowing pretty a pretty high amount of fantasy points. But Judy comes in here, Curtis, with a matchup rating of 85. That's one of the highest that we've had yeah, at man. wide receiver for a number of weeks. And you know, when I see these numbers come in, I start getting pretty darn excited. If we look at the matchup and try to make sense of why this is so favorable for Jerry Judy, uh, the first thing we'll do is hone in on the fact that he has lined up on 80% of passing plays in the slot. This means that he's going to see coverage From a couple of players, uh, and one thing I want to note here is I will, before I write my article, uh, go back and take a quick look at injuries in the secondary. It's possible I mentioned here a player that might not end up going, at which point when writing the article, I would adjust my analysis a little bit. But where I'm going with this is a lot of the players that cover the slot uh, for Tennessee have been fairly susceptible. On direct targets when covering that position. Now, they don't have one player in particular that has really been giving up a ton of points, but across the receivers and I, across those players in the secondary, and I think he's probably going to see uh, coverage from a variety of players, they have been pretty forgiving. And then on top of that, if you look at the thresholds like we do each week, you'll see that Tennessee is allowing two wide receivers per game to go over 10 plus points as a result we see judy and Cortland Sutton scoring high uh top 48 wide receivers coming in with an average of 16.4 against this defense and actually one player per game against uh against tennessee is getting to 15 plus points uh 7.7 0.7 getting beyond 20 so there's just a lot to like here for Jerry Judy, that 85 is a very high rating. Now, Cortland Sutton spends about 50% of time in the slot, putting him out wide around 49 uh to 50% of the time. Occasionally, he might get into that tight end spot, uh, which means he's probably going to be facing off more so against guys like Terrence Mitchell, who's allowing eight points per game on direct targets. Also, Caleb Farley, who's allowing... Twelve point six per games on direct targets, so a lot of opportunity for these Denver wide receivers.
1: It's it's cool to highlight Judy. Uh, I mean, Denver's coming off the bye, and you know he he hasn't really had any breakout games. I mean, he hasn't had any wide receiver one games yet uh, this year, but he does have four wide receiver two uh, performances, and in, in each of those four uh, weeks, he had greater than fifteen PPR. You know. He's actually sixth amongst all wide receivers in yak per reception with uh, 7.2 yards after catch per reception. And he's efficient uh, for the first time in his career, Dave. Um, The year three, he's at 6.2 fantasy points over expectation after being negative uh, in that category in each of his first two years. You know, when I look at um, this week's matchup with Tennessee, I mean, it's a game with a low total. I mean, very low total. I mean, total under 40. Um, really ugly from, you know, Vegas's view, but Hey man, Tennessee, it's a secondary that's been ripe for the picking. And I mean, we've seen um, a lot of production against them. I mean, in two of the past four weeks two of the past four games, rather, I should say uh, the Titans have allowed greater than 225 yard, uh, 25 receiving yards, just to opposing teams, wide receiver core. That doesn't even account for passes to running back or passes to the tight end. Um, Lots of air yards given up, And a fair amount of Yak. I mean, over 100 yards of Yak given up to the Kansas City Chiefs at wide receivers last week. And then back in week five, 74 uh, Yak yards uh, to the Commanders. So, I mean, I do think it sets up as a game where, uh, you know, Judy could find some success. Even if you look within the NFL Stat Explorer, the top wide receiver scores against Tennessee by week over their past five games. None of these guys are like huge, hulking, DK Metcalf types. We have Diami Brown with a 24.5 point game against the Titans. Paris Campbell with a 23 point game against the Titans. miko Hardman with a 19.9 PPR game against the Titans. These are all receivers who are slider of build, uh, working the middle of the field, uh, or at least the seams, uh, if not the perimeter. And, you know, I think, you know, Judy kind of checks a lot of the same boxes that those players check. So I, I love what the passing game matchup Raider is seeing and, you know, just kind of looking at this in the NFL stat explorer. I mean, I only have Judy on a couple of my redraft squads, but I'm going to have to give him a pretty serious look at the flex after your breakdown, Dave.
3: Yeah, a couple of other interesting notes on Judy. Now, we haven't talked too much about the advanced stats um, on the show this year, but when I was poking around uh, today, looking at results now through um, through week nine, one of the interesting things is you highlighted the yards um, after catch for... Judy, uh, his yards after catch per reception of 7.2 are actually the best among wide receivers with more than 50 targets followed closely by Jalen Waddle and Justin Jefferson, but yards before contact per reception with 4.9, he actually leads all wide receivers, um, in that metric. And then yards after contact per rec clearly is a function of the fact that, uh, you know, overall in total, he's pretty high. Scores in the top 10 in that metric as well. So when you start poking around with some of those advanced stats this year for Jerry Judy, there's certainly, uh, you know, a lot of encouraging takeaways that you can find the final note that I'll give too, is his, um, uh, among players that kind of play the way that he does his 39% uh, first down percentage is actually pretty, pretty strong as well. So some, some good notes there, some things that we like to see for Judy, and this looks like a very good spot for him This week. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, we won't break this down too much because I think people are probably going to be playing him no matter what. Draws a 68 against the Rams. So that's definitely something to be encouraged by. But I think more importantly, we need to talk here about Darnell Mooney. And we highlighted Mooney as a player that scored pretty well in the weekly GLSP this week. It's nice to see him getting a favorable matchup rating as well. Now, this shouldn't come as a surprise. The Bears are playing the Lions. We have talked a lot about players facing the Lions. Pretty much any of the thresholds that we have that we look at, they have been very favorable for opposing players in. uh, They're allowing 1.7 wide receivers per game to go over 15 plus. So just very encouraging from that standpoint. And if we drill down a little bit, we'll see that Mooney's in the slot 72% of the time. That means that he's going to get coverage from a number of players here that are very favorable. You got Juju Hughes of the Lions allowing 10.2 points per game on direct targets. He covers the slot 84% of the time as their safety that helps out there. But even if you look at their corners that cover the slot, um, you know, you have Mike Hughes at almost eight points per game on direct targets. Will Harris around eight points per game on direct targets. And then naturally, you're going to have a number of other uh, players in that secondary. there seeding a lot of points per game on direct targets. So a lot of opportunity for Darnell Mooney as that Bears offense continues to improve. Now, Chase Claypool, if we roll forward his numbers from how he was being used in Pittsburgh um, has fairly similar usage to what Mooney has had in Chicago. So he draws a pretty high rating as well. Uh, But from what we know about this Detroit defense and having watched how wide receivers rate against it, I can tell you that though Claypool has a 66 this week, even if we were to reconfigure some of his alignment, um, you know, maybe to a way that you'd expect the bears to, incorporate him knowing that Mooney's there he would still score very highly so very positive outlook for the Bears wide receivers this week
1: yeah I think they're gonna have a a, I don't have anything else to add for this week's game but I think they're gonna probably come up uh looking pretty good next week too, Dave in their matchup against the Atlanta Falcons so good good pair of weeks here to stream your Bears wide receivers
3: yeah definitely then we have the Buffalo Bills facing off against the Minnesota Vikings. You have Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Stefan Diggs, all in the 50s, but Davis and McKenzie both come in, or I should say Davis comes in at 59, McKenzie at 58. If we drill into this a little bit more, what we're going to see is that you have Davis lined up out wide, uh, you know, 39% of the time on the left, 32% of the time on the right is in the slot only 26% of the time. Now that will get him some coverage um, from a couple of players on Minnesota that have been, been fairly stout. Uh, but overall he should get coverage from a variety of players And Minnesota in our thresholds has been pretty forgiving as well. Uh, so, good outlook for him. And then Isaiah McKenzie's in the slot 71% of the time. That means that he's probably going to get some coverage. Um, You know, as I'm looking at this and kind of taking this in now, Curtis, there is not, um, you know, too many players seeding a great deal of points. You have Harrison Smith um, at eight points per game. Uh, He's covering the slot 95% of the time. So I think this more so goes back to the fact that just across all coverages, they are seeding points and it's not so much that there's one weakness there, Uh, Mm. but we'd expect this to be a pretty good game for the Bills wide receivers as I think we would most weeks.
1: Yeah, it doesn't bother me too much if Josh Allen doesn't play either. I mean, Case Keenum has done a a nice job of propping up some nice wide receiver performances throughout his career. So um, I think we can, we can trust the talent
3: So those are some of the players that uh, score nicely this week. We won't dig too far in, but just a couple of other names to share. Donovan Peoples-Jones rates nicely against the Dolphins. Um, Traquan Smith for New Orleans against the Steelers grades out pretty nicely with a rating of 65 Beyond that, though, many players just kind of sandwiched in with an average rating, but there are some players very low this week that I think we should call out. We got to start with Michael Gallup. Now, Dallas is playing Green Bay. Green Bay has been a very challenging defense for opposing wide receivers to face. Um, Basically, at every threshold that we look at, they're one of the four hardest teams um, allowing less than one player per game to even get to 10 plus points. And if we look at the way that Dallas has been using Gallup, he actually gets spread out a fair amount between the left and the right side of the field, is in the slot only 21% of the time. He's probably gonna see coverage from Eric Stokes, allowing just 4.8 points per game on direct targets wouldn't be surprised if you get uh, some Jair Alexander in there, who's been a little bit more favorable at 6.3. Um, but still, uh, you know, just not a tremendous amount of opportunity that also extends to Noah Brown and CD lamb as there's just not many areas of the field against the Packers that these wide receivers could attack. And there's not many players that really struggle um in coverage. So overall, you know, probably not the best situation and I can see how there could be some teams that would be thinking about uh, you know, do I need to start to turn this week with the bye weeks with injuries to somebody like Gallup, um, you know, or another wide receiver, maybe Jalen Tolbert um for the Cowboys uh, but it's going to be tough sledding for them. You know, C.D. Lamb, you're going to keep in your in your lineup no matter what. He's actually probably going to see a fair amount of coverage from Keyshawn Nixon, who has been the most favorable um, player of the secondary for opposing wide receivers to face. He's actually allowing 9.1 points per game on direct targets, uh, but he probably will get some coverage mixed in against Gallup as well. Uh, you know, so definitely things to keep in mind with those Cowboys pass catchers.
1: Yeah, I was looking at our player usage uh, tool here as well just to see if I could find anything else. I mean, you know, if you look at the target market share uh, trends in that tool, you know, Gallup um, did make his way over 20% uh, target share just for the second time this season um, in the last Cowboys game, you know, so that's That's nice. I mean, he actually did um, almost converge with with Lamb. Who Lamb has actually leveled out under thirty percent after really dominating in target market share uh, through the first um, balance of the season there. But um, you know, I agree. I mean, I think the reemergence of Dalton Schultz looking a little bit healthier and the uptick in his usage as well. Um, I mean, I have Gallup in a lot of spots actually, and I I do hope that he can kind of rehabilitate his career here. But it's not a spot where I'm considering using him this week.
3: Sure. So we have a couple other uh, players here that come in with very low ratings on the week that I felt we should call out one player that I have a couple of teams where I've been struggling with if I need to use him as my player that's going to fill in my flex this week uh, is Mac Hollins and it's not looking like he has a very favorable matchup. You have Las Vegas in in Indianapolis playing this week. Hollins is using the slot 44% of the time, 24 to the left, 29 to the right. Actually lines up as a tight end in 3% of passing plays. But that's a fairly, um, you know, fairly balanced usage. If you look at the Colts defense, the only player that is allowing more than their, their only corner, Curtis, allowing more than five points per game on direct targets is Stefan Gilmore at 7.6, who we'll probably see lining up across from Adams on a fair amount of plays. That leads Holland to need to contend with players like Isaiah Rogers, who's at just 1.9 points per game on direct targets. Um, Brandon, I actually. Have never heard this pronounced, so we're going to go with facing uh, at two point four. And if we start to look at some of the thresholds, too, uh, what we'll see is that Indianapolis right down there um, in the red, meaning they're unfavorable. Unfavorable. Uh, oh wow, trouble talking here. Unfavorable for opposing wide receivers like the Packers, like the Broncos have been allowing less than one wide receiver per game to get over ten. Uh, just. 0.1 wide receivers per game to get over 20 plus so they have been very stout um so you know not a good look for Hollins. and then as you might expect not that you'd even be thinking about it at this point but hunter renfro in for tough sledding as well
1: well hunter renfro is actually placed on ir today dave oh uh, okay there we go Yeah, that that was uh this afternoon they <laughs> Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller both placed on IR, and then they also had a defensive player just decide to retire in the middle
3: of the season.
2: <laughs>
1: I the, did see the that. Yeah. are falling apart of the seams. Um, oh, man. So, so I, I will note like the one caveat with that. I, I mean, I have no problem fading any of the secondary and tertiary targets um, in, in Vegas with, with how suspect that squad has looked uh, outside of Devante and Josh Jacobs. But I will note, you know, the two games that Hunter Renfro did not play um, earlier this season, uh, weeks three and four, those those are games where, you know, I mean, really, most of the production came in one game, but Matt Collins blew up in week three against Tennessee. That was a game that Hunter Renfro did not play. Um, I don't know an, enough on the spot about uh, his usage in that particular game, but I think, you know, that that would be a caveat. And, you know, I think the in week four, he did come back and, and – you know, only post 6.3 PPR the following week, but, you know, game splits app. Of course, it's a lot more fun to say that Matt Collins averages 18 points per game without Hunter Renfro, but that's the value of the NFL stat explored kind of laying that out in bar graph style and and kind of honing in on the games that that Renfro is actually not playing.
3: Yeah, certainly. So another team that's kind of interesting here is if you look at the Cardinals wide receivers, uh, I mentioned it was a very good game, very good matchup for Hopkins. For Greg Dortch and Rondale Moore, though, they actually both score down in the 30s where you have Hopkins at a 68. So big delta there. Um, Mm. Some of that comes from the fact that uh, you're going to see more and Dortch in the slot, you know, a lot more than you're going to see Hopkins. And then Hopkins, actually, it's kind of interesting, is lined up um, as the left wide receiver on 57% of plays. So that's giving him a fairly concentrated uh, number of targets against the more susceptible um, members of the secondary for the Rams. So if you heard that note about Hopkins, you can't apply it to Dorch. You know, I'm probably still playing Rondale given what we've seen. Um, But as it's a week where people are probably looking for flexes, I think we need to call that out. And let me just check my notes here quickly. There was another wide. Oh, Dude, Michael Pittman, we got to talk about again, GLSP really did not like him, um, which he has trouble sometimes scoring well in the GLSP, but it seems like there's something more to it than uh, it being a fluke as the Raiders have really shut down wide receivers that use the alignments that Pittman does. Now, from a threshold perspective, Las Vegas really hasn't been that challenging in terms of getting to 10 or 15 points but they have been one of the most challenging opponents in getting to 20 plus and they're allowing top 48 wide receivers to score just 12.5 points per game so you know from a couple of contexts this might look like a good thing cuz you're thinking all right well maybe his chances of getting to 10 plus 15 plus are good but what i will tell you is that overall Um, That could be a possibility, but you're probably not going to see this be a week where Pittman really puts himself back on the map uh, with the type of performance you might have been hoping for. And it's probably going to be hard for him to approximate his seasonal average in this matchup with the Raiders.
1: I mean, I, I did whisper in the ear of the GLSP that Sam Mellinger is starting again. <laughs> so, yeah. you, know, I
3: think regard,
1: you know, I think, you know, that would have been, uh, re- regardless what any of our apps or tools said, um, we, you know, you've got to qualify it with the fact that, you know, we, we, we've got a guy playing quarterback here that probably shouldn't be playing quarterback. So, um, you know, if Matt Ryan were, were in the mix here, I, I think also you could, you know, take, take uh, you know, take those analytics a little bit more at face value, but who knows what we're going to get with Ellinger and a brand new coach, Jeff Saturday. Uh, gonna yes. Be
3: an I forgot to. Yeah. Movie. Like it, the I, I forgot to even mention that out there. Like those are just like compounding factors here that would really have yeah. me staying away from this. Um, oh, yes. You might be though. I mean, on some teams this week, it might be hard not to play Pittman, but yeah. it's they kind of that. like a, you know, I see that you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hope that um a couple of things break his way as far as wide receivers go those are most of the names i wanted to dig into wandale robinson um in the giants matchup with the texans does not score very well um devonta smith who the glsp really liked comes in pretty low i think i'd be feeling pretty darn good about him um anyway Players that from a DFS perspective, you might be less inclined to sink your um, available budget into this week might be DK Metcalf or Justin Jefferson. Um, But, you know, I mean, Justin Jefferson, even against the Bills defense, I'm probably not going to fade that too much. And, uh, you know, if that gives you a little bit of a price reduction, maybe you go ahead and take it. Uh, But let's turn our attention now to tight ends and Curtis. It's pretty exciting because we get to talk about Greg Delsich again this week against Correct. the favorable tight secondary, which has been favorable to both ends and wide receivers. We see Delsich coming in with a matchup rating of 70. That is the top rating for the week. 10 points ahead of David in Joku. I'm going to ask you here. Do we know the prognosis on Joku on Njoku this week?
1: You know, the thought was that he might have a shot to play, but he didn't take any live reps at practice today. So I would say he's trending towards not playing, uh, and we may have to. I mean, he continues to pop up across multiple tools as yeah. uh, a guy we want to get into those lineups. But I, I'm I'm wondering if it for his first week back is going to be with Deshaun Watson at the helm.
3: Yeah, that could certainly happen. Um, so, if we don't see Njoku and we want to try to capitalize on some of the favor that he's drawing from the tools, what do we do? Do we turn to Harrison Bryant? Is this maybe going to open things up more for Kareem Hunter or receivers? Is there really, really nothing we can do to try to capitalize on this. Uh,
1: I, in the context of the Browns' offense, it's pretty difficult. I mean, no, nobody's really stepped in and and uh, and taken those looks, even though they would obviously. Um, um, a, a look to Harrison Bryant is going to end up, you know, having a different amount of production right. and excitement than a look to David and Joku. But um, you know, really the Browns offense is, is Chubb and Cooper every week and uh, Donovan Peoples Jones or Kareem Hunt seemingly in alternating weeks. You know, the, the one thing that I would say in this matchup with the dolphins, you know, we, I think we got into this a little bit earlier this week. If this game you know goes over the total and, and the browns actually uh get get forced away from you know pound grounding and pounding with Nick Chubb then then I could see uh you know I could see the team being forced into a lot of checkdowns you know to to Harrison Bryant um if the dolphins just kind of sit back as the browns try to claw their way back into the game maybe even a, a super sneaky I mean I don't, I don't think he has any games with more than one reception yet but maybe it would be a week where David Bell would make some noise if the, the team has to play, you know, more 11 personnel. So we'll have All to right. see uh, as a Browns fan, I'm excited about this game. I will tell you that, but <laughs> I, it's, just, it's just hard to get too much, uh, too, too very excited about any player beyond, you know, Cooper Chubb and, and maybe Hunt.
3: Sure. Sure. All right. Another name that uh, I want to highlight here is Mo Alley Cox. Now we talked about mm. the wide receivers for Indy, particularly Pittman having an unfavorable matchup against the Raiders. Um, Against tight ends, though, the Raiders have not been nearly as stout as they have been against wide receivers. And this works in Cox's favor as he operates in that typical tight end alignment 73% of the time. This contributes to his matchup rating of 58, the third highest for the week for tight ends. So he might be a tight end that you could turn to if you need to stream someone. Uh, Jawan Johnson, who has had a couple of games where he's managed to be pretty useful. Looks like an okay, uh, matchup for him in new Orleans matchup with the Steelers draws a rating of a 56. If we look at Pitts Pittsburgh from a threshold perspective, they have actually been pretty difficult, uh, in terms of allowing eight plus point per games against top 24 tight ends though. Um, players have managed to have some decent games. Now, Jawan Johnson, uh, it, let, let's take a quick look here, though, and just see how often he's operating as a prototypical tight end. Uh, what we're going to see here is he is in tight end alignment on 60% at 59% of plays. So I think the fact that sometimes he's lined up uh, wide contributes to that. And when he when he is lined up as a wide receiver, he's very often in the slot, um, which perhaps contributes to this to some context, as we do see um uh Trayvon Morig allowing 8.1 points per game on direct targets when covering the slot. Via the fact that he's also a safety, I can I can assume that what the tool is seeing here is that sometimes tight ends when covered by the safety coming out of the slot, uh, it is fairly favorable. So looks like a decent game for him. George Kittle scores highly. Gerald Everett, once again, gets a decent matchup. Decent matchup for Dawson Knox. Down at the bottom of the list, though, Curtis, we have Zach Ertz. Although, I think, you know, Ertz has been pretty solid. You're probably going to trot him out there no yeah. matter what. Um, but worth calling that out. Uh, Foster though, who you might think, with Darren Waller being out, could be somebody you could look to this week. That might not be the best play gets a matchup rating of 28. Darren Waller was down at 31. So it's not like this would be a good fill in spot for him here. Um, Other players with notably hard matchups at tight end. You have Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby tough matchups too, for Kyle Pitts and Robert Tunyon.
1: Uh, I was going to say something. Oh yeah. About uh, Mo Alley Cox. So, the the Raiders have allowed four receiving touchdowns to tight ends over the past four weeks, Dave. But all four of them were Travis Kelsey in the same game. So, <laughs> um, it's yeah, so a little misleading. This is why you have to look at this stuff, man. Uh, it's why why you have to look at the. I, I just I just feel like I gush about it all the time. The you know the NFL Stat Explorer, the matchup analysis tab. I think it's the single most valuable tab that you, that you can use uh, in, in preparing for your fantasy matchups each week. Now you, you are going to do a lot of work uh, to go through, you know, all the various players on your squads. And that, that's why some of our other tools like the passing game matchup Raider and like our GLSP, etc. where you're, you're getting a list, uh, you know, and, and we're using um, either, you know, recent uh, trends in the case of the passing game matchup Raider or historical data, Um, to create a list of sims in the case of the the GLSP. But if you look at, you just want to know everything that could potentially happen and everything that has happened in very recent history, and that matchup analysis tab is just pure gold. And so, um, yeah, Mo Cox is certainly a player that, you know, people are probably going to be starting, especially in tight end premium, uh, out of desperation this week. But um, I'm definitely not overly excited uh, about him.
3: So are you uh, trying to tell me that Mo Alley-Cox is not comparable with Travis Kelsey? I mean,
1: <laughs> I feel like they would probably get along. Um, <laughs> I don't know from a football, <laughs> football perspective, but I could see him being bros. Dude, Travis Kelsey
3: is so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, he really is nuts. Well, I appreciate you highlighting some of the, the tight ends as well. Um, you know, I, I if nothing else, you know, maybe we can – force people onto other plays besides Foster Morrow um, and maybe onto to uh, players like Mo Alley or Juwan Johnson as potential. Um, I don't know. I, I guess they'd be like, like $1 scratcher tickets. I mean, they're not going to put up 30 points for you, but right. you know, maybe you want, maybe you get 11 points.
3: Uh, and again, surprising. right. Like these are just showing that they're favorable yeah. matchups, which is different sure. than what we might do with something like the GLSP. Uh, but you know, these are the weeks where, Sometimes you have to just claw your way into finding somebody that you can trot out there. So you know you got to find some way to do it. Um, I think that this adds a helpful helpful context too, especially when you bounce us off with the GLSP, like we talk about. So hopefully our users make use of these tools this week. They make some good lineup decisions and they bring home. Some W's, as I'm sure Curtis will now with some of those trades that he's made.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be back to gloat next week, Dave.
3: Thank you for listening to the Roto Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF and at C Patrick NFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978 615 9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.